Hi, and welcome to the Miseducation of the SLP. My name is Ingrid, and I am your host for the evening. And I will be the only one in the recording this evening because um, we did a late recording Monday night. And as you know, we release on Tuesday morning. And unfortunately, the recording did not go well. Um, Ayelet was coming back to explain how she felt about the MLM culture, which was highlighted by Hot Mess Mom in our last episode. And I was also bringing in Ashanti, who was the other guest host of that episode. And we were all together recording for this seventh episode. And unfortunately, the recording platform that we use did not record all three voices throughout the entire episode. And unfortunately, because I yell, it was the predominant voice of that episode and it was her recording that cut out. I really had nothing to piece together to make uh, episode seven. And so I came to the conclusion that I guess episode seven was going to have to be when I talk about the reason the miseducation of the SLP came to be. Um, I have discussed my story with a couple of the SLPs that have actually listened to this podcast um, and some of the other professionals, but I haven't shared it. Um, I'm actually in the process of writing my book because I think some of what happened to me in my professional career had a lot to do with who I am as a Haitian daughter, you know, the immigrant of a Haitian man, and as a black woman in the United States of America, which was founded by white men, um, this patriarchal system that has been handed down generation after generation in conjunction with my father coming from a very impoverished black nation full of pride, I think it landed me here. So this is going to be a telling of my kind of journey. I decided to be a speech language pathologist through happenstance. I actually didn't want to be a speech language pathologist. I wanted to be an audiologist because I thought being a doctor was super cool. (laughs) Um, But I got rejected from audiology school. I spent eight months being a blogger on the internet and a receptionist at a hospital in Orlando that specialized in women and babies. You know, a lot of you may know it. I was there right when it opened with an amazing team of uh, master degree nurses that were just leaders in the hospital. It was an amazing experience. And I wrote blogs and I, you know, became this really kind of nomad person. (laughs) But then my father encouraged me with a very strict authoritative tone that I needed to go and get my master's degree quickly. So I, with the assistance of, you know, my bosses at this wonderful hospital, um, got accepted back to the University of Central Florida for the master's program for speech language pathology. And I scraped by that program 
Uh, I did have a probationary period there because of fluency. Definitely did not do well in fluency. Commend anyone who does a good job in fluency because that shit is hard. (laughs) Uh, Fully, fully, fully hard. Um, Anyway, I went ahead, got my degree, and went out in the world as a clinical fellow. And during my clinical fellowship nine-month experience, I dealt with, like I said, all of the settings. Home health, SNF, school, outpatient. I mean, the only thing I didn't do was uh, acute. And it was rough. I mean, I was driving over 100 miles um, in any given day based on where my patients were located in the home health realm because I did that also was home health. And it was just a tough CF and I didn't have the greatest CF supervisor. And that was really something that frustrated me and put me in a position where I just kind of felt like I was dangling in the breeze. But I advocated for myself and I got myself a little bit into a position that was okay. Um, From that moment, I moved to skilled nursing facility. I became a traveling therapist where I went from skilled nursing facility to acute hospital, to skilled nursing facility. I kind of jumped around. Um, Landed myself in Hawaii for some time, which was really cool. I recommend it for anyone (laughs) who wants to do a really cool travel assignment. I mean, it's just fantastic. Then I jumped over to California and I kind of climbed up from some unethical placements to some more ethical placements and some more interesting people. And I landed a really sweet gig in the middle of nowhere where it was impossible to find therapists. And I was able to get a really nice salary going there with a sweet bonus, which again, highlight, really awesome. I recommend it for anyone. And I actually got offered a director of rehab position, which I know is rare for speech language pathologists. And so I decided to take it so that I could have it on my resume because like I said, it's rare for speech language pathologists to get something like that. But, you know, the area of VP was just like, I really think you're great. I think you have a good disposition. You've got good leadership skills. And she was like, go woman, go. And I felt really honored that they would offer me this. It was definitely a six-figure salary, and it was a hefty $20,000 bonus. And I don't know too many people that would say no to that. And I found this really amazing cozy home that was $900 a month. So I was living happy. I paid off all my school debt by that time. It was just a fantastic opportunity. And I did a director of rehab position on top of all of my jumping around from setting to setting, rural to city and all that. Um, and then went back to traveling after being a director for a couple of years and realizing it wasn't my cup of tea and did per diem for a while where I was just a per diem in home health, per diem in SNF, per diem in outpatient, pediatrics, autism. I just was just living my best life, just doing all kinds of jobs while I was living in Oregon, working about nine months a year and traveling about three and still doing pretty good for myself. I was a free bird in this career. I just, I had no husband. I had no kids. I was just like, wee. <laughs> it was so fun. 
Um, and it gave me a lot of opportunity to help people in all walks of life. I mean, during that time, I had been called the N-word like so many times. And I just had such a great opportunity to experience what it means to be someone affronted with something so challenging and just kind of saying, this has nothing to do with who I am. That's really what I learned when I was dealing with things of opposition with me. Like, I don't have to agree with you. I don't have to move in line with the idea that just because you called me something, I need to be upset. I don't need to believe you, actually. I don't need to buy into whatever your belief is. So even though you're calling me something that everyone would consider derogatory, I don't really receive it because it has nothing to do with my reality. And you're not more powerful than me in a room. And I became this really strong individual when it comes to opposing views because I just, I don't need you to agree with me. That's never what I require. Um, You can have your opinion and I'm going to have mine. And we're going to exist in the world trying to figure out how those two things fit against each other. But it doesn't mean that we need to align because assimilation isn't necessary. And that's what we're all learning. And I think that's what we're all experiencing. And that's why I kind of moved in the way that I did in the world whenever I dealt with people that didn't respect me as a speech language pathologist or didn't think that I was good enough because I was a woman or didn't think I was worth anything because I was black. I just kind of was like, well, (laughs) that's not how I see myself. I see myself as valuable. So I'm going to sit here and I'm going to say, you can call me whatever name you want, but I'm the only speech language pathologist you're going to get. So you can either receive these services or just not eat. The choice is yours. You know, I'm not going to argue with you about it. I'm perfectly comfortable either way. I'm getting paid because I'm a traveler. And so it doesn't matter to me. (laughs) Inevitably, I would win these people over and I would have really great experiences changing people's minds just by being clear on where I stood, that it's okay for me to disagree with you and still do what I can to help you get better. And I didn't feel in service to these people. I just felt like I was doing my calling. Oh, it sounds like the train's coming by. (laughs) Um, So... As my career continued to move forward and I explored what it meant to be an SLP, I found myself in such a great deal of pride because I studied so intensely. I studied LSVT, I studied vital stem, I studied modified barium swallow studies, I studied cognitive linguistics, I studied Haitian American, uh, Haitian American backgrounds and American black American backgrounds and Spanish American backgrounds and just so many foundational backgrounds to make sure that I was doing what we would consider patient-centered care. I wanted to be amazing for my patients and I wanted to be focused on that. And I did that for a majority of my career. Four years ago, I decided to move back to the state of Florida Florida is a tough state, and I decided to move here because of my family, not because of my desire to be here. Um, And I moved into probably one of the most toughest environments when it comes to the state of Florida. 
the acute hospital. Uh, I started in an LTAC and I had such a great time working in an LTAC because I got to become not only proficient with inline passing mirror valves, working with mechanical ventilation systems and pulmonologists, but I also got the opportunity to become proficient with modified barium swallow studies because I was the only one to do them. I got some training and I got to really jump into them. And it was the most thrilling experience for me. I was just like, I'm in heaven. This is what I had been waiting on for eight years of my career to be a speech language pathologist in the acute arena so that I could really tackle those disorders early on and see if I could rectify them sooner rather than later. And working in that LTAC was really thrilling because I went in, I managed my day. No one really told me what I needed to do. We were putting in our own orders for therapy services. And, you know, it was just an, a space of autonomy where I could just do my best work. Um, the end of my time at the long-term acute care hospital was triggered by a disagreement that I had with a medical doctor who did not feel that the patient he was seeing care for needed speech therapy services even though her admitting diagnosis was an aspiration pneumonia. He explained to me that I shouldn't waste my time. He had known the patient for the last two weeks, and he just knew that she wasn't going to do well. And I was like, but what about exercises and strengthening? Like, a swallow can get better faster if we just intervene. And he, again, you know, indicated this, like, I'm not going to waste my time, or I shouldn't waste my time. So... I clearly did not handle that well because I went against his orders. Uh, I did end up talking to the medical director and I moved through her services following that conversation with the understanding that I was going to be helping this patient regardless of this medical doctor's like passe statement. Well, she did end up having an episode of hypoglycemia that landed her in the ICU after being made NPO by the primary doctor when he realized that she was eating for the last three days or two days, two and a half. Um, he wanted the video done and I explained that I was going to be the person doing the video and that just wasn't, ex you know, acceptable to him and he was just really angry, but there was nothing that could be done. After the video was completed, she did have a hypoglycemic episode, went to ICU, and the primary physician happened to be there and made it a situation where he escalated it as my doing. I disobeyed him and I risked the patient. And I, at that point, became a suspect in this patient's medical care, despite the evidence from the nephrologist who had to pump the sugar, orange juice, into her peg tube because it was hypoglycemia and nothing else. With the investigation, the story unfolded 
in a different way than I recalled it. And unfortunately, you can't disagree with the medical doctor and win. So the medical director said that he never spoke to me and um, didn't recall giving me clearance for the order. And so I just knew at that point, (laughs) you know, I've lost. There's no arguing this. You know, I'm not going to do that because that's going to make a fool of me. And ended up quitting the position and continuing to work at two other facilities that accepted me as an employee. I was transparent because I'm always transparent with both of my bosses and I explained what happened and they were understanding. A few months later, I got a letter from the state of Florida that I was going to be, or I had a complaint going to the state of Florida's licensing board against my license from the hospital that I had worked at. And that is when I was like, oh, well, this escalated quickly. I was in a position that I had never thought I was going to be in. I was going to need a lawyer and I was going to need to defend myself and the choices that I made against a medical doctor or medical doctors. My lawyer and I had a long conversation and the full scope of it was that settling was the best because arguing with doctors without evidence, it's just, there's no way to win. We don't live in a society that receives all professionals at the same level. So there's no chance for me to win. Ultimately, it came down to the Florida Department of Speech, Language, and Hearing for licensing in the state of Florida. And they were really punitive. It was all men, which I thought was interesting because our profession is 98% women. Um, but it was all men and, you know, there were errors in the stories that they were saying and, you know, these ideas that I was risking patient health, which I was like, these are not accurate statements. If you look at my documentation and you look at the medical doctor's documentation and you see the overall care, you'll understand that I was actually a better provider for the patient than the doctor. And that's just my humble opinion on the matter because I was consistent, I was present, I was there, and I was doing my job every day to make sure that she had the best care possible. But that's not respected because it's not a medical doctor and it doesn't bring in the dollars. And I didn't recognize how important that was until I got into trouble. And now I know the significance of that because I got into trouble again. (laughs) Um, You know, the outcome of everything from last year or from 2019, which is when the original complaint went to the state of Florida, resolved in 
December of 2020 when I was placed on probation. In the jobs that I was running, I hadn't been originally writing orders, but I transitioned to a role um, with one of my employers to start writing orders once again. And what I did not realize is that when I was entering orders for things that were acceptable, such as like if I needed a physical therapist or an occupational therapist or a dietitian, it's okay. Ordering for a medical doctor, now that's a big no-no. And that's when things become sticky. And when your license is already on probation for doctor's orders, uh, a misstep like that, Wow, that really gets you into sticky waters. And so I was suspended without pay. And I've been suspended without pay for the month of May, June, and now approaching July. And I started this podcast because... I think it's really telling that a person that can do a really good job can fail out of this career quite easily because of a lack of respect for the hierarchy. And I really do lack a respect for the hierarchy. I am not a cookie cutter SLP or cookie cutter person at all. I think that I should be respected in the room equal to anyone else in it. And I think that my clinical decision in my area of expertise does not overstep doctors. It just is collaborative to doctors. I don't need to have a medical degree to have knowledge equal to or superior to medical doctors because medical doctors don't study what I study to the capacity that I study it. And they shouldn't have to because we're here, but we should be respected in it. And the same in the sense of the school system when it comes to communication and the same in society when it comes to pragmatics or voice or administrative roles like management. Um, The respect for my discipline is something that has not happened in any of the years that I've been in it and it pisses me off because the capacity of the people that do this craft is exceptional and it's really reflective in the outcomes that we have created in society, the things we've accomplished, the amount of people that have been affected by the hands of a speech language pathologist and what they did for them. And I just cannot, for the life of me, understand why it becomes so consistently devalued on such a regular basis. But I don't. I honor it. I honor it to such a fault that I failed right out of it. I mean, when you Google me, Ingrid DeSorms, you see my wonderful article for ASHA, you see maybe some, like, other blurb, and then right under that is the fact that my license is actively on probation. And I'm waiting for what will happen with the state of Florida 
for the fact that a, a you know a complaint was sent um, about me from my full time job. Like I don't know what's going to happen. I just know that I've decided that the only thing I can do is be honest about my shortcomings, about the fact that I'm not a perfect speech pathologist, but I am one that focuses on patient care. And I can happily say, I've never done anything to harm a patient and everything I've ever done was to help a patient. And my blunderings have nothing to do with patient care or professionalism. It just really has to do with respecting a hierarchy that shouldn't be in place because I, I shit you not, they're really, really fucked up doctors out there. And they're really fucked up schools out there and systems out there. And you wanna be able to be the professional in the room that says, that's not okay because this is too much. You wanna be able to be the professional you worked so hard to be. You should be able to say, I can't do that. That's not ethical or appropriate and be yielded to instead of having the bottom line be what pressures our system into something new, into something different, into saying, you listen to me, professional. Wait a minute. Did you get a master's degree? Was I confused? I understand business. I respect it. I think it's highly important but not at the cost of really good healthcare services and communication, swallowing, cognition, pragmatics, voice, all these areas that we work in are highly valuable. They make the world connect. We are the opportunity to be part of the world because we're the bridge to help you be the best in it that you can be based on your desire to be involved or separate, a leader, a follower, whatever you wanna be, we are the bridges to that as speech language pathologists. And I love that about what we are. And I respect that about what we are. And I want that to be respected by everyone because it's deserving of that. And I came into the world like a freaking wrecking ball. And I ruined so much of my career, shattering it. Um, But my reputation stands that I'm a really great speech pathologist. And my reputation stands that I'm a really outstanding employee. And my reputation stands that I am a human being that makes mistakes. And I stand in the understanding that I'm flawed because I need to be respected for my expertise regardless of the social norms. And I'm not gonna do it in the right way. I'm gonna do it in the way that I feel I deserve it. And I temper tantrumed my way through and I didn't win against the system. It's working its way into, you know, kind of shattering what I built, but I can approach that with a level of honesty to say I wasn't meant to be successful here, not in this system that's patriarchal, that's incredibly structured in the idea that, you know, 
a profession of 98% women can't be equal to medical doctors. We study our asses off. We do a lot of work. You know, a really good SLP in the, in the medical arena has studied labs, pharmacology, psychology, <laughs> you know, nephrology, cardiology, pulmonology. We have been across all the sciences. Um, when it comes to SLPs in the school system, language delay now becomes, you know, the idea that we are going to become proficient at literacy because we see where the gaps are in the academic arena. We are going to become the proficient scientists of literacy, and we're going to make it so that it's possible that every child can read and write effectively because that's important. And we just, we keep evolving. We're going to determine that, you know, autism should not be approached as a disorder. We're going to say, no, 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 guys. This is neurologically diverse. We need to understand a different form of communication. This is high level, high quality things in the same level that we operate in the respects of, listen, let's not downplay the importance of knowing a little bit of American Sign Language. This is phenomenal. We all need to be part of that world. We're the advocates, we're the bridge, we're the humanity, we're the communication leaders. And I feel that and I honor that. And that's my story. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, if you have anything to say about it, feel free to comment on any platform. Feel free to email me at, you know, miseducatedslp at gmail.com regarding this story. Feel free to DM me on the Miseducated SLP on IG or on the podcast. Um, I accept it anywhere, you know. Ayala definitely is going to be on the team next time, and so will Ashanti, because we're going to plan it more appropriately and make sure that everything comes out as it should. But everything happens for a reason, and this episode happened because it needed to. So I am going to continue on the journey of writing the book that explains the story uh, to a full picture of what it means to be all of the parts of me within the constructs of a profession that doesn't allow me to be important. And I think that a lot of speech language pathologists have understood that feeling, what it feels like not to be important, no matter how hard you worked. And uh, we fought to overcome that. We fought to be better than that but it still hurts. And for me, it definitely led me to do some things that I can say aren't normal, (laughs) aren't safe, and definitely aren't CYA. You know, I can't cover my ass very well. I just went in full throttle, patient care, patient-centered care, patient-centered care. And that just isn't life. Not right now, anyway. But I'll work on it. I hope you do, too. (laughs) I really appreciate you guys coming and listening to the podcast. And again, like I said, you can DM me on the Miseducated SLP 
I know Ayelet's there too, so she reads if you want to reach out to her as well. And miseducatedslp at gmail.com. And just tell me your thoughts. I'm okay with that. You guys have a great, great, fantastic night or day whenever you're listening. Maybe weekend. I feel like sometimes the weekends are the best for the downloads. <laughs> Regardless, enjoy it when you listen to it. How about that? And do your best to share because we all need to hear a true story, right? Bye.